Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by italki, the online platform for improving your spoken fluency by having conversations and lessons with qualified English speakers from the comfort of your own home. I'm proud to have italki as my sponsor because I really believe it's a good service and because doing regular speaking practice is perhaps the best way to make rapid progress in your English. So I think it's perfect for listeners to my podcast because you already get plenty of listening practice here with the podcast, but you might really need to activate your English by speaking it. Visit teacherluke.co.uk slash talk to get started, to check it out, or click an italki logo on my website. Oh, and by the way, italki would like to offer you a free lesson when you make a purchase just because you're a Lepster. teacherluke.co.uk slash talk to get started, or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. This is Luke's English Podcast, episode number 608, and it's called The Mass Observation with Mum. Hmm, The Mass Observation. What's that all about, you might be thinking? This sounds like some kind of big brother thing. Like maybe the government observing everyone in some kind of dystopian future, and somehow my mum is involved in it. Well, I'm afraid it's far less dramatic than that. In fact, the mass observation in the title is a social history project that's been going on in the UK probably for 70 years or more. It's a project that my mum has fairly recently got involved in. Basically, the mass observation, which is now administered by the University of Sussex, aims to record everyday life in Britain through a panel of volunteer observers who either keep diaries or reply to open-ended questionnaires known as directives. My mum is one of those volunteers, and since this project is all about collecting information on everyday life in the UK, we thought it might be an interesting episode of Luke's English Podcast. So that's what you're going to get here, a conversation with my mum on a variety of topics which have come up in the quarterly questionnaires from the mass observation. So you can expect some rambling conversation between the two of us on things like this. Protests. That's when people go in the street, um, probably with signs. They're annoyed. They're demonstrating against something. They're protesting against something. So protests in the street. Plastic. Well, we all know what that is and uh, how ubiquitous it is. It's everywhere. Uh, Plastic. So we talk about that. Identity and gender identity, sex education in school, loneliness and belonging, and milk as well. I know, like identity and gender identity, sex education, loneliness and belonging, and milk. Yep, those are all things that have come up in the mass observation uh, in the last year or two while my mum's been doing it. So those are things we talk about. There's also some chat at the start about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle 
following on from the last time my mum was on the podcast when we talked about the royal wedding. Obviously, since then, Harry and Meghan have had a baby and all that stuff, so we talk about that a little bit. So now you can enjoy about an hour's worth of my mum's nice voice and accent talking about a variety of issues relating to everyday life in the UK. I hope you enjoy it. I'll be back to talk a little bit more on the other side of the conversation. In terms of language learning, your task, as ever, is just to keep on listening. At the very least, that's all you have to do here. Just listen, follow the conversation, see what you can learn from it, and try to notice any features of English or vocabulary along the way. But the main thing is, just enjoy this chat between my mum and me, which is going to start right now. Are you really going to go, yeah, you can't answer? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll be prepared for that. Good. Um, you are in channel number one. Could okay. you just, just talk a little bit? Let's see. Um, yes, I'll talk a little bit. Is it, I've got the microphone up to my mouth. That's Is this right. correct? Yes. Yeah. Do I need to keep talking? Yes. You will do, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I had boiled egg for my breakfast and some toast and some melon. And for my lunch, I had a salad made for me by my brother. Is that enough? I don't know. Was it enough? Is that enough talking is, um, yes, is what no, I mean? I've got, I've got a good sound level good. for you now. Right. So, hello, Mum. How are you? Hello, Luke. I'm fine. bit tired, but you're making me sit down and record this thing. <sighs> Am I really making you doing yeah, it? Yeah, you're forcing me. You've got my hand behind my back. I'm twisting your arm. You are. Well, okay, listeners. But I'll do my best. So I've twisted my mum's arm, forced her to appear on the podcast. Is it really like, you know, is that what it takes to get you on my podcast? I have to force you to do it? Yeah. Why? Why? Why the struggle? Well, it's not a struggle. If it was sort of um, two o'clock in the afternoon, it would be fine. Yeah, but it wouldn't, though, would it? It's nearly quarter to 11 at night, and it's past my bedtime. (laughs) Oh, God. So the last time this happened was with James. Really? Did you hear that episode where we recorded it right here? I was sitting in this spot, and he was sitting where you were Well, I I can understand where James was coming from. So can I. So can I. Good. Okay. Well, now my my listeners feel like a... a, (laughs) A human rights violation is occurring <laughs> on the podcast <coughs> that, that I'm forcing you to, I'm forcing you. Well, this is what you do, Luke. What? Isn't it? Let's face it. What is you it? do with all your members of your family, you force them in the late night to sit down and do podcasts. Do you really, do you, do you serious? Totally. Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> this is British humour, isn't it? Mm. It's like, Carry on. can never Carry tell on. if Keep people going. are being serious. I think that sort of. I, I could take that on face value, actually, as being a sort of, I don't know. Right. So it's been ages since you were last on this podcast. Really? What was the last one? Do you not remember? Mm, no. We talked about the royal oh, wedding. Yes. Gosh. Yeah, they've, got but, a, they've had a baby since then. Yeah, we're talking about Meghan Markle and Prince yeah. Harry. Mm. We, we talked together about the, their, yeah. their wedding. Um, how do you reckon it's going for them now, then? <laughs> How's, how long has it been? A couple of years? I don't know. They've, they, they've got a child now. They've got a baby, so it's got to be at least... And the baby must be, what, three months old now? So it's got to be a year. I think it's a year, actually. I think it was a year in sort of May or something like that. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it seems to be going all right, apart from the fact that the British press seems to have decided to take against her and be nasty to her. How 
in what ways well what kinds of stuff i mean they're just printing lots of you're talking about they are making out that megan and kate don't get on and are fighting and that megan is um a bit of a diva and she got into trouble with some people because she edited vogue recently which apparently is not some people thought royal people shouldn't do. Wasn't I mean, it Sarah, all... Sarah Vine in the Daily yeah, Mail? I mean, Sarah I, I'm Vine sorry just... to bring up her name. She's married to Michael Gove. Yes. Um, we talk, I talked to, to Dad about Michael Gove on the podcast recently mm. as well. But, uh, so yeah, Sarah Vine is... Uh, a They're po- a very nice couple, Sarah Vine and British... Michael Gove. I think we'll have them around for dinner. There's more of that British Sh- humour, folks. I'm sure we'd get on with them really well. See the, the deep level of sarcasm? Um so, yeah, Sarah Vine is a columnist or writer yeah. for the Daily Mail. Columnist, Ma- I think, of the Daily Mail. Daily Mail newspaper. And one of the things that she wrote in the paper, and she keeps writing things about Meghan Markle. She's nasty. She's a nasty piece of work. Yeah. She can't say anything nice about anybody. No, she and can't. she's particularly got it in for Meghan. She's for got, that's her business, isn't it? It's just yeah. to be a bit conniving. Just to be nasty. And nasty. And see, you know, she keeps saying nasty things about Meghan Markle and sort of, yeah, you kind of wonder, what's why? What's your problem with Meghan Markle then, Exactly. Eh? Why do you what's... have to be so nasty about people all the time? Yeah. Um, so despite the fact that uh, she's having a hard time from certain members of the press in the UK, uh, they've had a little baby. What's his name? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Archie. Archie. Archie Harrison something, isn't it? Archie Harrison... Uh, can't remember. Right, Google it. Come on. Mountbatten. Now... Listeners, uh, some at least one person is uh, is uh, their brain is exploding right now because <laughs> you're British and you don't know the name of the every single member of the family, including the the most recent baby. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm going to actually t- Google this Archie and see see when the see when it actually tells Comes me up, Archie yeah. Harrison. Mm. Uh, Archie Harrison, Mountbatten, yeah. Windsor. Okay, yeah. the Mountbatten, Windsor stuff. I mean, these are just like you know technical family names, family names and stuff. Archie, what do you think of that as a first name? I think it's fine. It's very fashionable at the moment. Yeah, it's is it is it short for another name? Is it uh, is it Archibald? Archibald? Is it Archibald? I think actually for them it's not. It's it's, it's they've just written Archie. They've written Archie. Yeah. Lots of people now call their kids Archie. What do you make of Harrison? Do you know what oh. that is? Do you know what that is? What do you mean? It's a, actually a joke. It's a pun. Harry's, Harry's son. Harry's, Harry's son. Harry's son. Oh. Genuinely. Really? That, yeah. There's, they've put a pun in his name. How do you know that? You know, that's for... Have you heard it from his mouth, have you? What? Archie's mouth. Harry's mouth. Can't speak yet. Um, <clears throat> all right. I'm Googling Archie Harrison. Why Harrison? Oh, goodness. Well, it'd be speculation. Nobody knows for sure. Uh, I'm sure I heard it somewhere that someone, uh, oh dear. Maybe they're just fans of Harrison Ford. (laughs) You reckon? Like, no one's that much of a fan of Harrison Ford. (laughs) I mean, he's all right in in Indiana Jones, but he's... Anyway, why are we wasting time on this? I I need to get to bed, Luke. Oh, oh God, is is that going to be the tone of this conversation? (laughs) Um, it is, isn't it, listeners? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, it's you know, it's great for everyone listening to know that you're so keen, fully uh, committed to this. <laughs> I can see where James gets it from. Don't know what you mean. Feel free to just lie down at any point and close no, your eyes. That's what he. That's no, what he did. He can do that, but I can't. Anyway, so 
Yeah. I mean, it's not like we've been struggling to think of things for you to talk about on this podcast because I could just ramble on with you for yeah. hours and hours well, right, yeah. about anything and everything. Mm, probably. But what we were to, like, you mentioned to me the other day that you've been doing this thing that I didn't know you, you were doing, that you've been taking part in some sort of mass um, uh, national survey. Right. What's it yeah. called? The mass it's observation. The mass observation. The mass observation. So you've been taking part in this thing called the mass observation, and I think Dad was the one who said, "Oh, you should talk to, you should talk about that on the podcast. It could be interesting." Mm. So let's do that then, shall we? Let's okay. talk about the mass observation on the podcast and okay. and what it is and and what it involves, and then mm-hmm. we can kind of take it from there. Okay. And we'll talk about it for nine hours. Okay, and no way. I'm going to be propping up your eyelids with yeah. matchsticks. Um, so, what is the what 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 is? Sorry, not what is. What is the mass observation? Then uh, sounds a bit sort of scary. It's like you go into a room. Yes, yeah, like loads yeah. of people just watching other people yeah. or something. But what is? No, it? it's not that. It's um. Well, I first was aware of it because it was a big thing in the war, in wartime in, in Britain. Um, I think it was started originally in the late 1930s as a way of finding out what ordinary people feel about things. And they asked certain people to write um, diaries, I think, about various bits of their life. Um, and... I'm very vague about the beginning of it, but during the war, they did it a lot and they had lots of um, ordinary people recording their experiences, for example, in the London Blitz or, you know, people who were working on the land or just information from ordinary people instead of it being all information from the people in charge. Because, like, it was social, it's social history as mm. opposed to. history of rulers and like things. political history or something because because yeah. when you when we look back into history it's true isn't it that we always go to the the kings and queens yeah. of of england we always learn about kings queens presidents prime ministers all those yeah. kinds of things and, and that's that's our window into into yeah. the world i mean there are other things that can tell us about the lives of ordinary people like for example you've got something like samuel Pepys's diary or or the well, du- yes, except he wasn't entirely an ordinary person. He was obviously a person of certain rank. But um, I think it's very interesting to try and find out about what... O- so what we all want to know is what ordinary people's lives are like. Mm. And it's much more interesting to find out about certain periods in time if you can access in some way what it was like to be an ordinary person mm-hmm. and how all these things that were happening on high by, you know, the rules that were passed or the, the troubles that the princes were having or the kings were having or whatever, how that affected ordinary people in their ordinary lives. Yeah. And this is a way of um, recording people's ordinary lives so that in the future when people want to do research, um, they've got this vast... Um, database archive Archive. of um, people's experiences i see and now it's much more organized in that um they sign people up like me um to answer various things they send out what they call a directive every three months Mm. where they ask you certain questions about things that are going on in the world or in the country and just ask you to write how you feel about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they just keep it in the archives for, for people to use for various bits of research. So the, the project or the, the uh, group, the organisation responsible for administering the mass observation, you're, you're getting hot, you're having, a, you're having a hot flush. Can I open the window? Uh, yes, go on. <laughs> the pe- you say they... Hmm. You mean those responsible for administering yeah. the mass now, observation, right? So. These days, it's run by um, University of... Is it Sussex or somewhere in... Yes, it's the University of Sussex, I'm sure, okay. in Bristol. So that's and they're the ones that keep the um, all, the re- all the archives and so on. I see. So essentially, it's a project to create... Yes, it's in Brighton. A, yeah. a, a, a popular history... Um, from the lives of ordinary people yeah. so that in the future it'll be easy to access yeah. information about what what life was really like for normal people. Yeah. And this has been going on since... Uh, well, the, since, the le- since the 1930s. Since the late but, 30s. Um, I think it's changed. I think they did it for a while in the 30s and then they stopped. And then it started again in the war, I think. And since started 1982, again. Oh, yeah. I think, they started doing it again in a very organised way. Okay. How long have you? University. How long have you been doing it? Not long. Only about a year. Okay. So I've done one round of directives. So you've done four. I've done four. Four directives. I think so. Yeah. Could you tell us what those directives have been? Uh, I can try oh. and remember the first one. Oh gosh, what was the first one? I can't remember. It was about. Oh yes, it was a weird one. It was about protests. I think maybe we'd been having a lot of protests so, about various things, mainly Brexit. Um, and they were asking, for example, they say they say we are interested in your thoughts, opinions, and experiences of of uh, protests. So first of all, you have to write down the first five words you think of when you think of protest. And then you have to remember what were the first memories you have of any kind of protest. And then they ask you, you know, have you ever been on one yourself? And what do you think about them? And, you know, all that sort of thing. Before we get stuck into protests then, I just want to know, um, how did you end up doing this? Um, Did they approach you or did you sign up? Did you go? Oh, I quite like that as a as an idea. I think I'll support it by yeah. my by offering up my personal history. I've just always been interested in it, and I read a book by Simon Garfield, who's a, a very um, prolific writer, and he tends to use a lot of um, archive material for his books. And he wrote a book about um, people's lives during the war. You know, ordinary people's lives at home, not soldiers in the war, but the people left at home in London, involved in the Blitz or people working on farms, all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was very interesting. I found it much more interesting to read about that than reading about soldiers in the war or airmen or all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's... Oh, and also um, Victoria Wood was also interested in it. She wrote a play called Housewife 49, uh, based on someone called Nella Last, who was a, um, a correspondent that they had, who used to send in letters, diaries and things. And her life, and it's very interesting, not just about the war and her part in it at home. Uh, you know, she became a member of the WRVS, the Women's Royal Voluntary 
society who used to help people who'd been bombed out, you know, by giving them clothes and places to live and all that sort of thing. This is the woman that Victoria is, Wood wrote a play yeah, about. This is Housewife yeah. number 49, right. Nella Last. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting in itself. And yeah, so that's just one individual person who's done it. Yeah. But that gives you an idea of the sort of thing you can find out. But, but yeah, um, si- Simon, what was his name? Simon Garfield. Simon Garfield, Victoria Wood, two yeah. people sort of in your orbit in terms yeah. of, you know, like people. Uh, people who I read pe- or. People you read or people you respect. Yeah. yeah? Um, and so you, you, you sort so of. So I was interested oh, in it from that. Mass observation seems interesting. Yes. You thought to yourself. And I thought, I wonder if they still do it. So I think I Googled it and I came up with this University of Sussex site where they told me all about it. And it said, you know, we're happy to take on people if you want to apply. So I did. And they wrote me a letter and said, yes, we'll have you. Um, please start sending us. Oh, no, they said send us some information about yourself. You have to be careful because you can't identify other people. Huh? Uh, because, you know, there's a um, privacy thing. You know, you could start talking about... Mrs. Brown at number five, you oh, know, she does this and that and the other. So you can... I'm just imagining, <laughs> what, what are they afraid of? Like in the mass observation, yes, we'd like to know about, you know, uh, your experiences with, uh, with, um, uh. with shopkeepers. You're like, well, Mr. Smith in the grocer's store is a right yeah. piece of work, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, no, we're not looking for that sort of information, actually. Mm. So, yeah, they don't need, they, they, yeah, they don't want to know. Well, I think they probably became very um, uh, aware of it or cautious of it during the war because you could have people saying, you know that Mrs. Brown down the road, well, she consorts with uh, American soldiers or, you know, she sends messages off to Germany and Japan, you know, telling us what's going on. Right. You know, you have to be careful during wartime. So I think during the war they said you've got to be very um, circumspect. You can't... Um, mention people you can only talk about yourself and if you talk about other people you just have to say they are your friend or your son or your i won't tell you what i've told them about you luke oh yeah really um you mustn't name names you have to be a little bit careful you can't say my son what do you you know tell us about protest well what I'd like to protest about the way my son forces me to podcast Mm, exactly in the middle of the night Mm. um (laughs) Okay. Yes. So, protests then was the first one. That was the first one. Ooh. So, what did you tell them about protests then? Can um, you, can you, I mean, you can just tell us. Can't I think you? so, yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, I, I just told them that my first, I mean, I'm hopeless really on the subject. The first protest I'm aware of, yeah. I can remember, was the one on Grosvenor Square in 1968 against the, I think it was eight, against the Vietnam War. And I remember it because it was on the television news and there was a, a horse, a police horse, a grey police horse involved in this protest. And I, <laughs> I can't, it just shows how useless I was, uh, how trivial I was in those days. I didn't think about the protest or the people on the protest or what they were protesting about. I was worried about this poor horse and whether it was going to be injured by the protesters. We're talking probably 1968, a protest... I think it was 1968. Against, it would have been... It was the Vietnam War. Protest against the Vietnam War in, uh, where was it, Grosvenor Grosvenor Square, Square which is where the the, uh, American embassy was. In London. Yeah. 
I used to teach a student in Grosvenor Square. Um, so it's a very posh part of London, it isn't is, it? It's a yeah. Mayfair. Mm. Um, and um, so anyway, so there was mm. a protest there. That's the one I remember first. Against the Vietnam War, yeah. 1968. And can I ask you how old you were at the time? Uh, you would have been about 19. I was 19, 19 years old around that Something time. Like yeah. That. So you, you saw the reports of it on telly and you're like, yeah. oh, that horse. I hope that, that poor ho- horse, hope I that horse is okay. I didn't think, oh, those people are wonderful protesting about the Vietnam War. I just worried about the horse. Did you, so you wrote that, did you? I said in yeah. 1968, I was worried about a horse. Yeah. What, do you know what happened to that horse, Mum? No. Oh, do I you? Hope- no, no, I don't. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay, so that was your first experience with a protest. That was my first protest. experience of a protest. Have you ever been on a protest? No. Really? I thought you really? had. I thought you'd been on a... Um, I thought you... You must have demonstrated for, against something, no? No. You're just very English. Just go home and have a cup of tea. Yeah, that's right. That's the English Say approach. jolly good to all those people who do. Or just if there's something really that you really uh, disagree with strongly... You'll just keep it to yourself and just whoa, go and have a cup of tea. And in in France, they'll you know, take to the streets. Well, about, I know, I know. They love protesting in France. I know. It's, it's almost like they'll. It's like oh, we haven't had a protest in a while. Quick, you know, get the yellow jackets on. Let's yeah, get out and smash I a know. few taxis up. Uh, what are we protesting about? Because um, we haven't had a protest for ages. But um, you take the more English approach. Do you, why, why haven't, can I ask why uh, you haven't protected? Because I know you feel strongly about mm. social issues. Well, I did issues. think, I recently I've thought, about, <laughs> I've thought about going on protests about Brexit. <laughs> Steady on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, um, I mean, it I just makes me sound really pathetic, partly because I'm lazy and it would mean I'd have to go down on the train to London because <laughs> that's where they all are. I'd have to get you know, make myself go do that. And then when I got there, there'd be hundreds, thousands of people. And I don't like being in crowds. Crowds worry me. Yeah, you're like that horse, basically, aren't you? In well, Grosvenor Square. In 19- the horse was braver than I would be in yeah. the middle of loads of crowds. Yeah. Maybe we should get so. you a horse so you can... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just useless, really. Well, you're not, you, uh, but you're I not do, useless. I do approve of lots of people protesting. Yeah, I mean, the question of whether it... Makes a Whether difference. it does anything, I mean, the protests we've had over Brexit, millions of people protested, and what notice has been taken? None. Yeah. Well, you know, let's let's skirt round that particular. We will, subject. Yeah, we won't talk about that. We'll sidestep just, that one. It's too distressing. Yeah. I mean. Um. So yeah. Protests uh, then was the first yeah. thing, and I wrote about my experience, which was nothing, <laughs> and oh, and they also talked about what did I think about the pr- the policing of protests yeah because that's been quite a controversial thing recently well it was a few years ago because the police used to do this kettling yeah they called it kettling procedure so when there were um, protesters in the street um, usually in London I think Mm. um, the police had a certain method of dealing with it which is basically they would using police horses they would um, kind of um, surround the protesters they would corral them. Break, the, break them up, surround them with mm. horses and then sort of squish them all in yeah, together. And just keep them... Keep them all in. Corralled. For, very, very for close. For hours sometimes. Yeah, just squish them all into very... Pack the protesters into a small space surrounded by horses in a very intimidating, a very uncomfortable way. Mm. So the, basically sort of smothering the, the, the protest. And it's... I think it can be very 
horrible to intimidating be claustrophobic claustrophobic to be squashed in there with all those people and it really takes the and what happens if you need to go to the loo well that you know you just that's you know that's part of it isn't it that you that's s- one thing i mean i need to be within reach of a loo all yeah. the time well that's part of the the, the what the police are doing isn't it <laughs> that's that part of like, the intimidation yeah that uh it's so uncomfortable i mean obviously in some places they'll just break your legs but um mm. uh, uh, they'll they'll probably do that in england as well in france they have a slightly more hands-off approach do you know about that no that the police generally sort of stay away from the protesters and just fire uh tear gas, tear gas. at them and mm. so whenever there are protests um, on the streets of Paris, which, as we've said, is quite a lot. Very frequently. Especially more recently mm. with the uh, gilets jaunes, the, um, the yellow coats, the yellow jacket protesters. Um, lots of tear gas gets fired around. Mm. And uh, I've had students coming into uh, classes before who've literally been tear gassed mm. that day. Dear. And they come in and they're, you know, they're like, sorry, I'm late. sorry, I'm late. I just got tear gassed incredible like, wow um okay well there you go that's pro- yeah. protest so that was protest. done what was the second one then that they asked um, you about oh i can't remember i have to look in my file mum is now shuffling through <laughs> some notes um pages of photocopied stuff allowed me to um well you can oh sp- when was Plas- that? plastics there, there, there was one on plastics yeah that was the last one i did that was the spring one Plastics. Um, asking all about plastics. What sort of plastics do we use? Um, you know, things like, um, are they useful? Um, could you live without them? Can you think of ways you could do without well, them? Well, those are, those are some decent questions. Uh, do you remember what it was like before plastics? What were things made of before then? Um uh, do you think it's possible to live without them this in is, the future? This, that this, kind of these thing. These are all very good questions. They are. So do you use a lot of plastic? Yeah, of course. Everybody does. Mm. It's, a, it's a pity, isn't and it? And it's very hard to see how you could not live without them. You mm. know, you can think about, you know, not buying plastic um, shopping bags. Well, we we don't do that. I haven't done that for years. You, what do you um, use instead? I use the, the um, sort of. uh, wicker work ones that I've bought in... The market in France many years ago, which are baskets, you know, like old-fashioned baskets. Weave, weaved baskets, yeah. weaved from wicker. All my, actually, all my shopping bags come from France. Well, The well. Um, ones we bought in Serret, the wicker work ones, and recently the ones we got in... Um, Carrefour. Carrefour, Carrefour in, pa- in Paris. <laughs> Carrefour which, supermarket. Yeah, which are made of material, just yeah, cotton. fabric. Which is brilliant. Yeah, they're very good, aren't they? It's the they, best those? kind of thing. Because, you know, here, for years, we've had what they call the... Um, um, bag for life. A bag for life, which is made of plastic. Oh, a bag, bag for life is made from plastic, Yeah, of course it? it is. The idea is it's basically a thicker, more durable mm. plastic bag. That you use for a long time. It's supposed to reuse, but, I mean, even that is made of plastic. Yeah. Um, so I've got rid of all those. I never use those now. Well, I've still got them, but mm-hmm. um, I don't use them for shopping and I haven't bought one for a long time. But basically when you go down to the supermarket or to the shops or something, you just bring one of these fabric bags. And, yeah, fabric um, and uh, wicker work baskets. Okay. All right. That kind of well, thing. Well, that's, that's a step in so the So that's right. easy enough. But things like, you know, shampoo bottles. Yeah. Um, uh, shower gel. Um, cosmetics. um uh, you know, plastic uh, packaging. Um, yeah. 
It's a big uh, one, isn't bottles, it? Bottles, all sorts of when things. When you come home from the supermarket yeah, you've got and you realise that every, almost everything you've bought is wrapped in plastic. Mm. Uh, and you, yeah, it's, it's incredible the amount of plastic that we. Not throw to mention away. all the equipment that we have. I mean, is the television made of plastic? Is the vacuum cleaner made of there's, plastic? Yeah, there's tons of plastic in all of those. So, how these on things. earth do you stop? Well, yeah, but I mean, using all that, I, 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 you need to speak to my friend Amber about this because she's kind of um, on a on a mission mm. to to rid uh, the world of plastic. So, uh, what does she do with her baby feeding bottles, for example? They're all plastic, aren't they? Um, well, she, she breastfed her does child. Does she use uh, disposable nappies? No, see? she didn't use disposable Good nappies. Good for her. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Amber is incredible. Well done. Um, Did she have terry nappies like we used to? I don't know. I never actually saw all the nappies she used. But yeah, she didn't use disposable nappies. Good for her. Amazing. I can't believe it, really. Mm. And, you know, people, obviously, you, well, we you did, did it we, like that. We, yeah, we you had didn't... terry nappies. You what's, know, what's terry? Well, it's they're like small towels. Yeah, toweling. Which we used to, um, you know, put into a a kite shape and attach to you with um, safety, safety pin. pins. Yeah. And then put plastic pants over the top. But, oh, you did have plastic. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you'd, you'd be soaking wet, you know. Plastic pants would go over the top, but over they're not the disposable top. plastic pants. No, that's true. Yeah, dis- we had plastic were, pants. But they, were, the, were they disposable plastic pants? No. No, they weren't. We used to okay. use them over you reused and over them. And okay. they, uh, God knows what happened to them when but we the, finished didn't, using didn't them. Didn't that... Was that not incredibly messy and did it not, well, yeah. did they not leak and get dirty? Sometimes. And, stuff? Yeah. and you'd have to take the nappies off and you'd have to wash them. You'd have to soak them. You'd have to get rid of all the stuff that was in them. <laughs> and wash yeah. them. But I mean, that's what you did. You never thought about it because there wasn't anything else. Right. So, what were some of the other questions that they asked you then? Um, oh. No, about plastics. Oh, about plastics. Oh, media coverage. Have I noticed an increase in media Have you noticed an increase in media coverage coverage about plastic? Yeah. What's the general tone of the media coverage? Well, it's against. It's against. It's against plastic. Mm. What do they say? Because it's usually David Attenborough, isn't it? It is. Going, you know, this dolphin is full of plastic. You know, this, in fact... It's, we predict it's, that within 15 years, all dolphins will be made of plastic. You know, that, that's it's kind it. of emotional stuff about animals, which, yeah. which is fair enough. I'm, but, I'm, um, I'm being frivolous and you are. glib about it, you but are. it's actually a massive, massive problem that um, the oceans are all full of plastic and the plastic breaks down. It's been in the ocean for so long that it's now being br- it's breaking down to a sort of micro levels. Uh, so that just plastic gets inside the ecosystem in a micro at a micro level. So fish are eating it. It's going into mm. the, the food chain. Uh, and that mean, and then we eat the fish that have got, that are full of micro level, you know, that have filled with little bits of plastic. And so it's just plastic everywhere. We're just not, yeah. not just a huge continent sized, you know, balls of plastic in the ocean, but kind of tiny plastic ev- inside everything all the time. They also asked if I can, th- if I could think of, examples where packaging had been changed yeah because of pressure you know like chocolate bars fruit and vegetables cleaning products and crisps that kind of thing and some things have been you know like crisps a lot of people have been putting pressure on crisp manufacturers and telling them to use different packaging okay should we move on from plastic now yes because there's not only so much you can say there was a lot of questions about recycling and 
how did we think it worked and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But the other thing was about loneliness and belonging. Ooh. Bit more abstract. Loneliness. Lo- loneliness. loneliness. We know what and that is. Belonging. Belonging. Whether you be- we feel you belong to your community. Okay. And so they asked us about our experiences. Had we ever felt lonely? What was it that caused loneliness? You know, were there certain times of the year when you felt more lonely than others? Have you, have, have you ever felt lonely, Mum? I can't you say might- I have, no. Really? Mm. Oh, I thought that most people probably... I, I would have... I would guess that most people feel lonely. Had a lonely period of loneliness. At certain times in their life. I can't or... say I ever have, actually. Oh, okay. Hmm. I think I'm, maybe I'm lucky, but um, no, I don't think I ever have felt lonely. Do you, do you think that uh, people feel lonely uh, more at certain times of the year then? Well, they say that people feel more lonely at Christmas because that's supposed to be a family time. Mm. I suppose it must be the same. You know, they must see people on holiday and feel lonely. They must. You know, any kind yeah. of holiday where families get together and they must feel lonely. But um, Have you ever spent Christmas on your own? No. I, I did once when I was in Japan. In Japan, time. yeah. Uh, I worked on Christmas Day, I think. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, and then that, that evening, because I finished work quite late, just went home on my own. Mm. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, but it, then it, uh, it presumably they don't. Do they celebrate it in Japan? They obviously don't. If you well, had they, to work, no, they on, do, but in a different way. Yeah. it's not a public holiday. No, but people do sort of celebrate it. It's more of a sort of. It, I think in Japan, it's more so Christmas is something that you do with your girlfriend, boyfriend. Mm. You know, it's more like that kind of thing rather than a family occasion. Yeah. Uh, the family occasion is New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, yeah. and Christmas is more of a. Yeah, something you do with your with your loved one. You'd have a special dinner or something mm. like that. Probably exchange gifts, but no, it's not. It's not, not like here. Not nearly as mm. uh, in, sort of important a day as it is um, mm. over here. So for me, it was kind of like for me, it was like I can't believe I've got to work on Christmas Day. Yeah. So I, I, you know, that first of all was very strange. <laughs> yeah. And then there were loads of people coming to the school. We had this thing called the voice room, which was a conversation room where people could just come in. Mm. And, you know, yeah. there would be a teacher in there, um, you know, like you'd, different teachers would spend an hour in there. So that at any time there'd be someone in there um, and the voice room was completely packed all day on Christmas Day. And I spent one or two hours in there and basically it was just kind of surrounded by people just sort of quizzing me on Christmas and just mm. kind of. And for me, I just felt like actually, although, you know, I'm always happy to talk about things like that and share my culture. I felt a sense of... Um, dislocation? The, yeah, dislocation. And also just sort of, I felt a bit bitter that I had to work mm. on, on that day and that I spent the day describing the things that I would normally be doing yeah. on that day. It's like, yeah, normally on Christmas Day, we don't work. Mm-hmm. And normally you're at home with your family. It depends what your job is. I mean, yeah. Rick... If your, father, to... if your father Christmas, obviously, um, <laughs> it's a different story. But when Rick was a journalist, he... He um Yeah, you can say his name. Yeah. <laughs> she, Mum just looked at me like, Oh God, did I just give away his name? Yes, yeah. of course. He's got Everybody a, knows that he's Rick. The Rick Thompson um, report. Anyway, yes, go okay. On. <laughs> there were always he used to have to work at Christmas sometimes and doctors work at Christmas. Yeah. You know, there are people yeah. who work at Christmas. Yeah, all right. And I think in a way we make far too much of christmas in, in this country mm-hmm. uh I, as i say i've never been on my own at christmas but yeah I can, I can imagine that if you were on your own 
that it could be a very, very lonely time. I yeah, don't even know. if I think even I, if even if you well, yeah, for you. I mean, for me, it's it would be a bit you. of a novelty. Yeah, for you, because for you, to be on my own. To be fair, Christmas is a bit of a headache, isn't it? Because you've got to plan and. <laughs> I always have loads of people. Loads of people around me. You've got to Christmas. cook for them, and it's a mm. nightmare, isn't it? Basically, for you. Plus, also, this the, the whole family gets together, and potentially, it's just it can be difficult when families are together, but. Not, you know, not all the time, no. slightly. Um, no, it's, it's always a bit pressured, yeah. particularly for women. There's family pressure, yeah, especially yeah. for the sort of matriarch of the household. Yeah, because um, you have to make sure everything's perfect. You have to yeah. make sure the food's perfect. Uh, yeah. Everybody has the right present. Sorry and it, about that. It just gets a bit much sometimes. No, I can so totally understand. So, quite honestly, the idea of being on my own on Christmas Day... Yeah. Is, could be refreshing. Could be... Go to Japan, Mum. <laughs> Next Christmas, go you'll to, send me off to Japan. But yeah. they'll all—they'll all just ask you about it. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, please tell me about Christmas in your country." Like, uh, uh. but they know they were asking about other any times when because must lots of people who do this must have had periods of loneliness. Because, for example, they talk about <clears throat> you know when you had to move away from home, you know, for work or university mm-hmm. or a relationship. Right. Um, the only time I had to move away from home, in inverted commas, is, you know, after I married your father and we moved from um, Birmingham to London. You moved out of your parents' house and you moved in with uh, well, the old man? No, I wasn't with my parents. I was in oh. my own flat, but I was very close to my parents. Right. So I used to see them every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to move away down to London, but... I have to say, it didn't worry me at all. I was quite happy to do okay. it. Cool. So loneliness isn't a, a, an issue it's, then? It's so never it... been an issue for me so far. Good. I'm glad to say. Good. Me too. I'm glad to hear that. But yeah. what about belonging though? Yes, belonging you, as well. I've always felt I belonged wherever I was. You felt you always, you've always felt you belonged to I've the community that you lived in? I've never out of place anywhere I've lived, I don't think. You've never had sort of even something like imposter syndrome. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. What's imposter syndrome? The only Just... time I had that was when I was doing my open university degree. So wait, <laughs> And the wh- first time I went, what? What is imposter syndrome, we have to say? Well, I was just going to describe oh, go, oh, it. Oh, go ahead, sorry. The way I see it is when I w- was first doing my OU degree and I had to go to my first summer school. So this is a, a university degree, basically, yeah? yeah. Yes, to go but to a university degree for older people. Mature students. Mature students, and so we study at home on our own most of the time. Mm-hmm. But we had to go away for a week in the summer to be with other students and behave like ordinary students for a week. Okay. And I had that sort of feeling then because I thought, when I go down there, or up there because it was in Manchester... When I go up there to Manchester with all those other students, they're going to see, but what's she doing? She's no good. She doesn't know anything. Say what? Yeah. Really? Did this you really woman, think that? I did. I did. I thought that before I went. Wow. I thought they're going to find me out. They're going to realise that I'm an imposter and I shouldn't really be on this course. But, uh, but it's the university course. I mean, that's the reason. I know, like, but I didn't think, I thought maybe I wasn't yeah. good enough that everyone else would be much better than no, me. No, I, I can totally appreciate that, Mum, because uh, I think that everyone has imposter yeah. syndrome. That was the only, that was how I see it. And that's really the only time I've had it, I think. Okay. Yeah, but. Okay. What about you? Have you had it? Oh, yeah. God, when? tons of times. Of, uh, oh, God. Um, I'll I, I tell you what it is. Mm. 
It's actually being an English teacher. That's it. I've just remembered <laughs> that that uh, it's really stupid. But even after 18 years of being a teacher, Delta qualified, you know, <clears throat> award-winning podcaster, world-renowned English teacher. Yes, 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 Luke. Right. Enough. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. No. I'm setting up the story. I'm okay. setting up the story. Mm. So despite all those things, when it comes to actually day one of a, of a new English course, and I'm about to go into a classroom full of students who've paid their good money to learn English with me and they've all got their expectations. They all want to master the English language. And um, often my overall, fi- my overwhelming feeling is like, I can't, I can't help you. I'm, I've been... <laughs> I've been getting away with it for 18 years. Is often I know how nothing. I feel. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not the, I don't know. And I've got to, I've got to do a damn good job on day one. Otherwise they're all going to find me out. Yeah. Is, yeah. Your mum's now um, waving a fan in her face. Does that sound, in, can you in, hear that yes, on the microphone? we can hear that on oh, the microphone. So oh, not only am I keeping my mum up, uh, <laughs> keeping her away from her bed, I'm also making her sit in discomfort with a, without being able to apply the cooling air of a fan in which her face. happens to be a, Japanese, a beautiful japanese japanese fan, fan. <clears throat> which was not given to me by you Ooh! but james gave it to me when he went to after he'd been to japan that's right he came back with this fan um, where yes. did he get that fan do you know was it from uh, our friends yeah yeah, they gave it to him yeah. and he gave it to you. Mm. You're right, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think uh, imposter syndrome, I yeah. mean, it's just, it's something that everyone experiences, <clears throat> actually. And um, actually, it, I feel like it's quite a good thing for me as a teacher to feel like that because it makes me prepare myself, yes. it makes me work, it makes me kind of really focus on doing a good job. And it's um, also, uh, being a stand-up comedian, you feel like that sometimes. When you've got like a big gig and you look at the audience and you, you see all these people who, again, have paid money or whatever and they're coming and sitting in, and they've, they've, they've asked other people to come out with them and they're sitting, they, they've got, you know, they're expecting a good show and you think, oh my God, I'm the, I'm the one who's going to have to give them a good night on Saturday night. Mm. And you think, oh God, no. And then, um, then you kind of go, all right, come on, you've got to do a good show. You've got to do a good show and prepare myself, get in the zone and make sure I go up there and do a good job. And and sort of, if, if I didn't feel, I think if comedians don't feel after a certain number of years, you, you do get confident and you know that you've got something. But I think if people don't feel that sense of respons- <clears throat> responsibility and maybe a f- sense that uh, that uh, you're not going to be good enough. That if they didn't feel like that, they'd be lazy and they would kind of be arrogant and stuff like that. Exactly. I think if you have experienced imposter syndrome, it means that you're not a, one of these awful, overconfident people. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that we had to answer questions on um, in this particular directive was about... It it was the 29th of March, 2019. Do you know what's significant about that 20, date? 29th of March, 2019. That yeah. was that was um, when I had my appointment to, to get my uh, carte de séjour in, in, in the prefecture de police in, in Paris. from that. It was also the original uh, Brexit day, yeah. wasn't it? And when they prepared this directive, they were expecting that that would be when we would be leaving the... So, EU. So they asked us to do a diary on that day. Ah. 
of everything that happened and everything that we felt. Did you write a diary? I wrote a diary. How long did the diary? How long is the entry? Can you can I ask you? My my entry. Yeah. Well, I don't know because I haven't got it here. You haven't got but, it there. Um, oh, okay. Basically, what it said was, well, this is just an ordinary day. <laughs> You know, it was supposed to be Brexit day, but it's not. So, so I had a boiled, I had up, a boiled I, egg for breakfast. Had, yeah, exactly. Uh, went to the shops, you know, whatever. But Mrs. Brown down the road mm. is... Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, no, I can't write that. Don't mention Mrs. Brown. Um, so. Okay, so if, wait a minute. What if we had protests? We've had... Uh, loneliness, loneliness and, and belonging. Yeah. Uh, uh, another thing, then, please. We're plastics. So oh, this yeah, is now the, with the fourth and final directive, the fourth uh, and final subject they asked you about. What's it going to be, folks? Brexit. What? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> the fourth and final. No, there's two more actually. There's two more. Okay. And then there's several because oh, uh, right. I had the autumn one last year. Mm-hmm. I think I've maybe yeah. I've jumped one, haven't I? Well, we'll forget matter. about the autumn one. doesn't matter what the order is, but uh, <laughs> um, I'd like to know what the next... The last next... one I did, sorry, <clears throat> the first subject was personal identity. All right. So what did I identify myself as? Oh, is this like uh, identity politics? Do you identify as, you yeah. know, a certain, you know... Well, you can tell the sorts do I, do of things... Do you identify as a, as a black woman yeah, from, exactly. from the, the Deep South? Of, yeah, that <laughs> like that g- woman what's her name yeah the woman from uh yeah. the united states who's yeah. cl- blat- blatantly white yes but she identified as a black woman but of course it's it's because it's local the things that are going on at the moment and of course gender politics is the big thing right isn't it? yeah um, like your sexual, uh, yeah, gender sexual identity identity so um, how, wait, well you know i don't know if you ever use that kind of language like i identify as blah 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 well, but I did in you, this. I did in really? this directive because so I had to. What do you identify as? I identify as a, oh, a, a white heterosexual you had, shush, woman. Go shush! On. You had to give five words, I think, and I said I was. I think I said I was female, a wife, a mother. Yeah. European. But you said you were. You didn't say you identified as. Right. No, I say was, I am identifying as. Right. Okay. Female, a wife, a mother, mm-hmm. European, yeah, a humanist. I thought you were going to say human there, and something else. Can't remember. <laughs> it obviously wasn't that. <laughs> wasn't wasn't that Fema- important? Female, a yeah. wife, a mother, yeah, something else, and humanist, a humanist, humanist a European. and European, humanist and European. Okay. Because those are the kind of main things that uh, I, I are my identity. I think I'm very boring. You know, uh, yeah. Are you? Yes, because lots of people will identify as all sorts of unusual things, won't they? Like, I yeah. And they are, you know, they said, "Are you happy sharing this information? Have you ever had any problem with your, you know, people's reaction to your identity?" You know, they're obviously talking about the problems that people have had recently. Yeah. I mean, Transgender hate, hate, people, hate, hate crimes. crimes and all that sort of thing. Yeah, because I'm sure that some people, I mean, let's say, let's as an example, mm. let's say Eddie Izzard, mm. who, um, I, who is... Um, transvestite. Is it transvestite? Is that the, is that the word? I don't know what the, the correct terminology is. But I he, think it is now, he, 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 um, He's a male, but he likes to dress as a woman he's sometimes he likes to yeah. dress in women's clothes mm. 
Um, he he describes it as having boy mode and girl mode, mm. and that sometimes he dresses as a as a guy, and mm. other times he dresses as a girl. But he um, one of the jokes that he used to do in his stand up, which nowadays wouldn't be considered to be that funny in the current climate, mm. was that he was he was a lesbian trapped inside a man's body. Yes, yeah. Um, but which basically meant that he's, he, he still, fancied women, he fancies girls, <clears throat> but sometimes he kind of wants to be a girl as mm. well. Which is interesting, but he um, has had. He's a comedian, ladies and gents. I've talked about him on the podcast before. They know who he. They is. know who he is, I suppose. Um, but they, he's talked about moments where he's experienced hatred and, mm. and abuse in the streets, and he's of even course. even got involved in physical fights in the mm. streets with people who've uh, just you know for no apparent reason really mm. have just decided to pick a fight with him mm. just because he's dressed as a girl. He's, he's chosen to to wear makeup that day or something mm. like that, and so. You know, people have started um, abusing him in the street and then he's had, you know, physical fights and stuff. So, yeah, they're, they're, mm. you know, the, the, the people who, who read your, your response were probably very um, disappointed, Mum. Probably. Like, oh, that's no, no problems. There. Nothing okay, here. No good stories there. Nothing here for us to use. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and the second question was about sex education, which is another contentious issue at the moment. Right. It is here. You probably don't know. But it is uh, particularly in a Birmingham school mm-hmm. where certain uh, where apparently it is um, procedure for the teachers to teach the children about um, sex in Se- all its forms, in all its glory. So, so heterosexual sex, homosexual, transgender, you know, all that kind of thing. They're supposed to teach the children, educate the children yeah. about. All these things, which you mean the, the different forms of sexual intercourse, well, or the different forms sorts, of, 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 of gender identity, Just everything about g- um, gender and sexual identities. They're supposed wow. to they're supposed to educate yeah. the kids, yeah, so that they know that you know everything is acceptable. Basically, right. yeah, I can see because like when I was a kid, uh, sex education. I mean, first of all, it was incredibly embarrassing and awkward. I remember watching a video of um, a French family. I assume they were French because they were naked. Um, a family on the beach playing uh, beach ball. First of all, like one of the shocking things was was actually people playing beach ball. I mean, I've never seen anyone in the real world actually playing beach ball. You know, like with one of those inflatable balls. Were well, they really naked? Throwing it to each other. You serious? They, and they were all naked. Yeah. So no. this is like how. Oh, look at the. You know, the, this is the female. For here's an adult naked man. Here's an adult naked woman. And a, you know, a, a young, uh, a naked child, female, male, and stuff. And it's just a family innocently playing with a beach ball on the beach, which is you know, that's fine. Enough. Yeah, totally fine. Yeah. So, but it, but it was kind of weird. It was sort of. I think they were. I think it was like there was something weird about the video. It was like mm. kind of you could tell it was like an imported video, completely false. Because yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it, well, for not us, a re- not a real situation. Like, who are these people? Mm. You know, why just put some <laughs> put some gear, put some why shorts are they on, playing on the beach with no clothes on. Yeah, it's like fair enough. It's their choice. Um, I think genuinely, I think they were French. I think it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not just making that up. I think they were. I think it, they came from like the same video company that sent us the the French uh, education mm. uh, language videos. I think. I don't know. Maybe just in my head, they're all in the same category. And so, how were these films introduced to you? I just it was like, okay, you know, um, we're gonna. This is sex education class, so we're just gonna, you know, learn about 
sex education and everyone was like oh god and um so they just used to sit you down and play you but films. It, it would have been no it would have been a part of a video that included some clips of the family playing on the beach and then there would have been you know some sort of more scientific uh parts where they you know uh introduced you to the um the sexual organs and you looked at the male me- reproductive organs and the female reproductive organs and stuff like that and it's like and here they are on a beach on some people you know um and um but uh nowadays i suppose what you're talking about is that they would not only have to do that and it was always about heterosexual sex Mm, as well mm. so the books that i read in biology and stuff at school Mm. when they dealt with sex it was always you know heterosexual sex and stuff and (laughs) the missionary position (laughs) of course i mean there isn't any other is there um yeah (laughs) You were brought up in a convent <laughs> by nuns, right? Um, they didn't know what it was. They no, didn't get any sex education in my school. Let's not go there. They were just told there are some films that you can that are around these days. What that are really dirty, and you must oh. never go to see them. Okay, that was the only sex education okay. I remember. Would, X-rated films you must never go to. To be honest, uh, thinking about it. If this, the the biology textbooks had shown us anything other than missionary position, I think it would have been gratuitous, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like if they'd been doggy style in a in a uh, in a textbook, that would have been pretty weird. But anyway, any road. Uh, um, but nowadays, yeah, I can imagine it's sort of like very uh, even more complicated mm. because of the sort of. Um, the, the responsibility to, to teach children about all the different forms mm. and, and, you know, when you accept the... You've got when to you, accept yeah. people for what they are. You've yeah. got to realise that people are different. Not, not everybody is the same. Yeah. That's what you're trying to teach the children or educate them in those ideas. Yeah. But there are some parents at these schools who don't approve of it. They think it's... Um, Immoral. It, yeah. And there's been lots of protests. And, I mean, it's just very sad, I and they ask in this directive they ask you know what do you think about this and what would you do and i'm saying i'm just really glad that i don't have to make any decisions because i have no idea what i would do i just yeah. think that everybody should be educated about everything yeah it's tough um, you just but you, if there are yeah. certain religious people who don't approve of it then i don't know what you do really i don't know either mum because you've got to respect them for what they believe if they want their children to grow up not knowing about these things, do you respect them and say, okay, you can take your children out of the lessons? I don't know. What would Jesus have done? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, that was one of the questions. And then the last one was about milk. Oh, thank God for that. (laughs) Oh, dear. Loneliness and protest and... Sex, sex education. education. Oh, let's now talk about we're down to milk. Let's just talk about milk then. Surely this is a, a safe topic, isn't it? Well, I think so. It's because they were saying that uh, you know there is some indication to show that fewer people are, or people are drinking less milk, ordinary cow's milk, and that more people are drinking oat milk or almond milk and okay. all this kind of thing because because of health concerns and different diets and all the rest of it. So oh. they were asking questions about. You know, do we still, do we drink milk? Has our milk consumption changed? And what sort of milk do we drink? And so sort of let's thing. just, let's keep this nice and simple then. Mom. Okay. Tell me about you and milk. Tell me, what's your, what's your relationship with milk? Not very good, really. Why not? I don't like it, do I? What? 
What's what's wrong with milk? I don't like the taste of it. What's wrong with the taste of it's it? It's nasty. Nasty? No, it's really weird because I don't like milk. But, I never have done. But, but I like cream mm-hmm. and I like yogurt and I like ice cream. And you like milk chocolate, I suppose. Um, Sort of. I prefer dark chocolate. You put actually. milk in your tea, though, or I should say dad puts milk in your tea. I put a little bit of milk in my tea. Mm-hmm. It's the only milk I drink, really. Right. Because I never have cereal or anything. Yes, because it was interesting. They were saying, has your consumption of milk changed? And I said, the only way my consumption of milk has changed is that since our children left home, we drink far, far less because we we only drink a little bit in our tea and we don't drink much else. We don't have cereal. Whereas when we had teenage children, they lived on nothing but. When you say we, you cereal. mean the household. I mean me and your dad. Yeah, but you weren't eating cereal in the mornings, were you? When we were around? No, but you were. Yeah, so why are you saying we when, like, you said we, you and dad. Yeah. But when James and I were at home eating cereal all the time, you weren't eating cereal too. So no. your cere- your milk consumption no, I'm hasn't that changed. The household. Right. The yeah. Household That's what milk I just said, consumption. isn't it? No, you didn't. Listeners, rewind. I did, didn't I? So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. The You're household wrong. consumption yeah. has gone down. Right, right. I think of. I still think of us as a household. Right. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and the household has changed because it's yeah. just me and your dad now. We, you, James, and I used to get through industrial levels <sighs> of milk. I mean, really. <laughs> we used to get. We used to eat so much cereal. It's it's untrue. Thinking back to, uh, on the amount of cereal that went through my system. Incredible. unbelievable, actually. They would eat cereal in the morning. They'd come home from school. They'd eat two bowls of cereal. (laughs) They'd have their dinner. Then they'd eat more cereal. I mean, it it was just crazy. You know, when when you and Dad would go away on holiday and leave for a week or two, genuinely, there were times when I was eating cereal for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Yeah, I'm not joking. I, I know you're not. And there would be piles of... I'd use all the bowls in the kitchen and there would be a pile of bowls all with like sort of like uh, sticky... Dregs. Sticky dregs of milk and cereal in every bowl. I'd literally use... I'd eat cereal until there were no clean bowls left. And then I'd be like, oh God, what am I going to do? And there There's are no, no, no clean bowls left. I remember I'd stand in the kitchen leaning on the counter, watching the telly, just scooping yeah. the cereal straight into my face. Yes, I can see that. Oh, those were the days. I oh. don't know how I could do that. I what could... do you do with them? How do you stop them behaving in this way? What, teenagers? Yeah. I, I don't know. Teenage no. boys, particularly. Oh, well, teenage girls are just perfect, aren't they, as well? Well, I don't know. I haven't any tell experience you what, yeah. of that. Teenage, like, if, if, like, leaning on the counter watching... You will t- soon find I out. I know. What, leaning on the counter, eating cereal at home, watching telly, that's the least of your worries, Mum. Still a nightmare. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so the general consumption of milk in this household has, has gone down has, has plumbed, dramatically. Has, has, has plunged. Plummeted. Plummeted dramatically. Mm. D- uh, dropped to, uh, like, trace levels. Um, so that's what I said. And I also said that we have drunk semi-skimmed milk for as long as I can remember, and we still do. What's that, what's that then? Semi-skimmed? It means that half the fat is taken away. Skimmed off the top. Yeah. 
Because the fat floats um, to the top, they skim it off. And they and that we don't drink any other kind of we don't have any truck with this oat milk or almond milk Say or what? whatever. Don't have any truck with it. Don't have any truck. What does that mean? Don't have anything to do with it. You don't you mean you you, you don't you don't uh, you don't they have They also yeah. asked us about our memories of milk. Memories of milk. So <laughs> I said I remembered in my young the day The milk diaries. That we used to have milkmen just take no notice of him. He's just he always has to take the Mickey. Um, giving, have, I think of it as giving the Mickey. Actually. We used to have milkmen coming round delivering the milk every day, and there was this wonderful sound first thing in the morning of the milk float, the little milk van, electric, weren't they? Electric milk van driving up the road and the clink 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 of the milk bottles, and mm-hmm. you could hear the milk bottles going down on the step. Um, and I was saying how, and I said how I thought it was a shame, really, that we no longer had that service because not only that, not not only was it a service of milk being delivered, but it was a community thing. So the the milkman knew everybody, mm. and he knew if people were away, and if he saw loads of milk bottles that hadn't been taken in. Um, he, think, would, he would died. say, what's happened there? Is somebody ill that they haven't been able to get out and bring in their milk bottles? And he would raise the alarm. Also, recycling of, of glass bottles. I was bottles. just coming on to that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jumps the gun. And, uh, that we used to drink our milk from glass milk bottles and we would rinse the milk bottles out, leave them on the step, and he would collect them the next day. And it's a shame that we no mm. longer do that because now all our milk bottles are plastic. Yeah, going back to the plastic problem exactly. again. Um, yeah, that's right. The milkman knew everyone, didn't he? Mm. He knew everyone. Some, some, nice. some people he knew better than others as well. <sighs> like they, they, you know, it's interesting that, isn't it? That every everyone in our family is like got dark hair, brown hair, and I'm the, I as a child was one of the only ones who had blonde hair. And the milkman had, had a blonde. The milkman. milkman had blonde hair as well. That's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Um, We're joking, of course, listeners. <laughs> this is a family joke. It's not just a family joke. It's an old English joke. Is it? Yeah. Okay, then. It's a musical type joke. Oh, that, yeah, all right. Uh, because the milkman used to come round and collect the money every week from the housewives in those days when they used to have housewives. Yeah. And, of course, they used to get, used, they used to, get to know the housewives and there were always jokes about... Some housewives knew the milkman better than others, and how the right. milkman used to go in, literally, to the house, right, and would be in the house for you know an hour. Oh, and lots of talk was uh, okay connected with that. Anyway, um, uh. yeah, that was the milk thing. Okay, and I think do you think do you think it's weird that we that as a culture that we get through so much milk? Because, you know, going back to Japan or maybe other parts of the world, they don't consume milk to the same degree that we do. No. And they, they, we must seem like very milky people to them. Mm. Like when, let's say, Japanese people come to England and they're just surrounded by English people, they, they, we must seem so sort of white and milky and sort of lact, lactose don't you think? Well, weird. I can remember reading something, and I don't know if this is racist. Oh, careful. I can, <laughs> I can remember reading... Japanese people didn't like Western people because we smelled differently well, because of our milk intake. So we, they don't like us because we smell. No, it was because the, our smell they, was they different. They probably noticed that we are a bit, we're a bit milky. Mm. 
Whereas, you know, they, they might... They don't have dairy in the same way. Well, they don't eat dairy products in the same way. Not as much. They do eat dairy. Of course, they're eating tons of ice cream mm. and all that stuff. But they don't have as much in mm. their regular daily uh, diet as, as we do. Mm. So, yeah, we must seem very milky to them, which is quite funny in my mm. head. Um, so there you go. I remember that we used to have milk every day at school. Yeah. Delivered to us at school. Yes. All right. I don't know when that started. Well, that was started after the war, I think, as a way of um, building up the youth. Because, you know, we, um, during the war we'd had rationing, not much milk, not, not much protein, not much yeah. meat, lots of vegetables, which is probably much more healthy. Anyway, after the war we were given free milk, free orange juice, free cod liver oil. Oh. And uh, the milk used to be given to us at school in little third bottles, third of a pint. I think that's where I started hating milk, because we used to have these crates of little milk bottles waiting for us. So you'd be at school, right? Yeah. And it would be like break time, yeah. or whatever, and you'd be running around the playground. And they'd say, come and get your milk, and we'd have to queue up and get our milk. We had these little bottles with straws in. Did you have those? Yeah. And uh, they'd been waiting outside in the playground in the summer, getting all warm. The milk bottles just in the sunlight. Yeah. And so we'd have this horrible warm milk, which tasted absolutely vile. Ugh. And that was what really put me off milk, I think. That's disgusting, actually. Yeah. And then in the winter, they'd be outside and they'd be frozen. (laughs) Like literally frozen. Yeah. Freezing. And And the milk used to stand up. Above the top of the milk. Yeah, because the, 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 it expands when it freezes. Right, so it would squeeze mm. out the top. Yeah, I used to remember getting milk at school. There would be these crates, as you mm. said, plastic crates with loads of bottles of... of um, I just had a thought. Uh, when I was old enough to be drinking milk at school, is, is, it, is this true? That that was closer to when you were drinking the milk than we are to when I was drinking the milk? Do you know what uh, I mean? Um, so, like, I, when I was, what, yeah. let's say 10. Yeah. Uh, does this make any sense? When I was 10, that it was, in terms of time, that was closer to when you were 10 than we are to now I'm to sure. when I was 10. I can't 10. possibly do the maths, but I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, mm. so, like, you know, in a sense, like, the further away from that period we get, the closer yeah. we, you and I, you and I our get. experiences yeah. Yeah. become. Absolutely. So I uh, also remember getting the crates of milk, these plastic crates, and the clink, 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 all the milk would arrive, and we'd all be given bottles. And the thing for – the only thing I remember about it was that each bottle had a little number on the top. Mm. They all gave them all numbers. Mm. Uh, there'd, there'd be labels on the top, and each one, there'd be a little number on them mm. all. They'd all be numbered. Each batch was, mm. you know, each bottle was individually numbered. And so with our mates, we we're all just like trying to work out which number we all had. And like the, the, I think the lower number you had, the better you were. <laughs> so if you got number one or two, you were the best. Um, whereas if you got, you know, number 36 or something, you were just a total loser. And this was in Ealing. This was in Ealing and also in... Um, in oh, in there Lady in, K. In, no, uh, yeah, and, and in Balsall Common. In heart, in heart of England school. Really? When you were at secondary yeah, school? Yeah, I remember getting milk there. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. I think they stopped it um, yeah, they stopped after it maybe a, a year or two. You know who stopped it? Maggie Thatcher. Margaret the, Thatcher, milk snatcher. Margaret Thatcher, the milk snatcher. She when stopped When she was this. education secretary. She took the milk away from the kids. Mm. The milk snatcher. Like <laughs> some sort of... Um, some sort of um, like uh, a pantomime bad guy. 
Well, Mum, thank you very much for talking to all of us about the mass observation. Yes. And these good um, these interesting topics that they've been asking you about. And thank you for being on the podcast. I mean that sincerely. You're welcome, Luke. Uh, I was feeling very tired when I started, but now I've brightened up. And it's I'm it's an, invi- full of energy. an invigorating and energizing experience, it is. isn't it? Yeah, podcasting. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to. I'm glad that you're actually doing a little bit of podcasting. Uh, you know, today uh, because you are an avid podcast listener as well, I am I yeah not not of my podcast not, but no, I hardly ever listen to you no, why would I listen to you I can listen to you any day uh, yeah um, mm. no I listen to lots of I enjoy podcasts yeah well that's, an, that's another story for another it time is. yeah but uh, thank you mum you're welcome and thank you for everything including just you know absolutely everything you've done for me in my life <laughs> oh you're welcome and Luke this 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 uh <laughs> contribution you've made to luke's english podcast is the che- really the cherry on the top good thank you i'm so glad <laughs> all right all right bye then. for now then bye so there you go i hope you enjoyed that i would like to say a big thank you again to my mum for being on the podcast again and to all members of my family who make a huge contribution every time they're on the podcast. So there you go. So what's up then with you? What's going on with you? It's nearly the end of the summer holidays, isn't it? Well, it is where I am. We're approaching the end of August. So summer is nearly done. That went quickly, didn't it? Uh, I hope you've had a good summer or winter, depending on where you are. Um, What have you been doing? Have you been away on holiday, relaxing somewhere? Uh, Do you remember in July, I think it was in July, I mentioned a couple of times at the beginning of episodes, I mentioned the LEP meetup that was happening in London. Do you remember that? Um, I talked about how we were having a meetup in a pub in central London and everyone was welcome. Well, the meetup happened. I went to it and I met about 25 to 30 Lepsters. Uh, had some drinks and conversation with them for a few hours. And what a pleasant experience that was. It was really, really nice to meet my listeners. And um, one of the things that I took away from it is that my listeners are lovely lovely people aren't they nice people i think that's something my brother said to my mum my mum said to james like oh how was the meetup and james said oh you know what uh, uh all the people there were really really nice and it's it's kind of uh, a good reflection on the podcast that the people who listen to it are very nice people so that's nice everything's nice 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 but anyway it was good to uh, meet some of my listeners like that in fact, we recorded some samples of audio during the meetup. In fact, it was Zdenek who did that. He had his audio recorder and he managed to record little uh, samples of audio from almost everyone that came uh, with people talking for a minute or two. And I think I'll be putting an episode together with that stuff. So there will be a an episode about the LEP meetup with some bits of audio samples and stuff that you can listen to, um, all to encourage you to do the same thing. I'll talk about that on the podcast soon. In terms of other upcoming stuff, well, it's the usual things that you've come to expect from Luke's English Podcast. I'm not going to mess with the formula too much. There'll be conversations with guests, and I've got a few guests in mind that I'd like to have on the podcast soon, as well as returning favourites. I mean, for example, Paul Paul Taylor, he's currently looking after his baby daughter. His daughter was born, 
And uh, so he's currently sort of dealing with nappies and sleepless nights and things like that. But when I get the chance, I'll get him on the podcast as well with Amber and lots of other people that, I've, that, I've, that have never been on this podcast before. Uh, I've got plans to talk to a few different people coming up in the next few months or so. Also, just the usual stuff about the usual bits of UK culture and things like that. I've got some things lined up about uh, British comedy and all kinds of other stuff. There's just no end to the stuff I can talk about on this podcast. So that's nice, isn't it? So you can look forward to more of the usual stuff coming up. Also, episodes of premium stuff coming soon. Uh, If you're a premium subscriber, you'll see that I recently published uh, Premium Series 15. That's four episodes um, and uh, covering topics relating to science and medicine and and stuff like that so four episodes one episode which is full of like discussion and reading an article and just the topic basically just talking about the topic and then uh, two episodes focusing on the language the vocab um, giving lots of examples explaining pointing certain things out little details that you need to know about the the vocab like collocations and uh, suffixes and prefixes and things and then an episode with a test and pronunciation drills so that's the latest um, premium series that I just published uh, this month um, if you'd like to sign up to LEP premium just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium and there you can sign up and basically for the price of a about a coffee every month you can get access to all of the premium content and there's there's over 50 individual episodes now I mean, they're, they're, you know, spread out into different parts, but 50 parts, at least 50 um, parts across uh, 15 episode series and a few one-off things and a few videos and things as well. So the premium library is growing all the time and you can listen to the premium content using the app or online. All the details you can find at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium, basically. Okay, uh, so that's it then. For this episode, thank you so, so much for being a wonderful, wonderful listener and for generally being a lovely human being and an excellent person all round. And uh, I look forward to reading comments in the comments section on the website and also any emails that you send to me through the website or through the app. Um, That would be very nice. Okay, so I'll let you just go back to your normal life now. Uh, Thank you for listening to my podcast and I'll speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to say... Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription 
you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.